from there to here, I've never believed in the rapture so much. Um, still not coming. So, As Todd said, I came back on uh, Thursday from a trip to Greece and Turkey. That was for college. Um, most of us were there for, college, for a unit in um, New Testament. It's actually my final unit, so it's a pretty good way to finish. We do still have to do two assignments, unfortunately. Um, highlight was Ephesus for sure. Um, it's much bigger than I ever thought. Um, but the highlight was when we were sitting in the theatre, the big theatre that they've uncovered, and there was a pastor there from WA, from our group, and he read Acts 19, the riot in Ephesus, where Paul caused a riot. And um, where it says in, um, wherever it is, I had it there, verse 28 or 9, which I, can't, I can't read it because you know, when you're nervous you can't read. When they get dragged into the theatre, Paul's uh, buddies, and then he goes into the theatre, we were sitting there when he was reading it. And we were sitting in that very theatre where that actually happened 2,000 years ago. And that was, for me, the highlight because I don't know how he got through that. I wouldn't have got through that without It was a bit emotional kind of thing for me anyway. I just couldn't believe we were there. So the trip was good. If you ever want to do something like that, I'd recommend it. It's pretty good. Grueling. Every day was like we were there to learn, like we were there for college, so it was pretty full on. Um, but it was pretty good. Um, so today I'm going to talk about, like Todd said, the new atheist. This was it's come about from a, um, from a unit that I did last year in college, um, an apologetics unit, and I chose the new atheists and I did a paper on them. And so you may not know them by the name New Atheists, but you've probably heard of Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens. They are two of the more prominent members of that group. There's four of them, really. There's a loose group of four main guys. Sam Harris and Daniel Dennett are the other two guys, and they're collectively known as the Four Horsemen. Um, They became popular... uh, in the mid-2000s, within a few years of each other, released some books. The most popular was Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, in 2006, which was a huge success for him and still is. And um, Hitchens, the following year, released his book, uh, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. That was a pretty big book as well. Now, these guys, their books and their uh, you know, debates and whatever, they attack all religions. They hate religion completely, but of course and unsurprisingly, they leave their best for Christianity, uh, biblical Christianity, uh, and the God of the Bible. They're called the new atheists, but there's nothing really new about their atheism. I think uh, it was coined by a journalist or something, really because they are more aggressive than previous, aggressive towards religion and Christianity Uh, more than previous atheists. And as Hitchens himself describes himself, not just as an atheist, but as an anti-theist. An anti-theist is a position held where you should, uh, theism should be opposed. So it's not just, I don't believe, I lack belief or whatever, but you should be opposed. And they would want to eradicate religion altogether. They think it's uh, something that should be gotten rid of. 
if you've never read The God Delusion, I would say read it uh, because, you know, you get it out of the horse's mouth, I suppose, um, what they believe. But it's not a, a, a scholarly book. I, was, I had a whole uh, different idea of what that book, book would have been about before I read it, but it's actually not written as what I thought. It's actually just full of um, ad hominem attacks, stereotyping, just some childish things that he says in there. It's pretty weird. And one of the examples, just to give you a bit of an example of the things that he says in the book, and he's talk, he talks about the, the Bible in this section. He says, and I quote, "...much of the Bible is not systematically evil, but just plain weird." as you would expect of a chaotically cobbled together anthology of disjointed documents, composed, revised, translated, distorted and improved by hundreds of anonymous authors. Now, he is not a theologian, and a little research by anyone would know that pretty much everything he said there is false. But that's the kind of stuff he says. He just throws it out there. Uh, and the thing is, he doesn't care. He doesn't care that... He's been told by plenty of Christians... He's been debated many times. He's been told plenty of times what he says is rubbish. He doesn't care. Because for him and the new atheists, um, they believe that those who are religious or believe in the supernatural are basically stupid and they're not worth listening to and they don't take him seriously. He actually says, Dawkins, that religion is like a mental virus and child abuse, infantile... Science is superior, of course, and the world will be a better, happier place without religion. Now, it can be very confusing when studying the new atheists and to study, find out what they actually believe. They don't actually tell you what they believe, really. Um, they spend most of the time telling you what not to believe. Um, and then it gets even, <laughs> gets even more confusing with statements like the following from Hitchens in his book, the beginning of his book, he says this, and I quote, Our belief is not a belief. Our principles are not a faith. Now, of course, that's nonsense, but he's serious. That's what they believe. Um, what they will say is that they, what they will say is that they lack belief. They don't have a belief. For them to admit that they have a belief, or they have beliefs, it sounds like a religion. Religion to them are people of faith, like Christians, Muslims, or whatever. And faith to an atheist is believing in something that doesn't have evidence. So if this is a quote from Dawkins, he says in The God Delusion, scientific belief is based upon publicly checkable evidence. Religious faith not only lacks evidence, its independence from evidence is its joy, shouted from the rooftops. So in other words, our faith is blind, there's no evidence for it, and we're stupid for believing what we believe, even though there is much evidence, and he's been shown that many times. But they do have a worldview, and their worldview um, it provides an explanation for our existence, their worldview tells us that our faith is dangerous and poisonous and it should be eradicated, which sounds like a belief. John Lennox says in his book, Gunning for, Gunning for God, which he wrote against these books, he says, not having a belief in something does not leave them in a passive, innocuous vacuum. Their lack of belief does not mean they don't believe in anything. It is impossible not to have a belief. 
even in Dawkins' statement just previously, he said scientific belief is based on publicly checkable evidence. And then he tries to tell us that he doesn't have a belief. Confused? Me too. But that's how it is. It's very, very hard to... to that's how they talk. It's really confusing. But as much as they try to deny that they have a belief, their belief is, functions as a religion. They have a belief system, and it's a religion. Atheism is a religion. But if they want to admit that atheism is a religion, then they are open to the same criticisms that they level at us. So we are people with faith, they lack belief. That's what they say. The new atheists are motivated by their naturalism, which says that this world is all there is, nothing after this life. There's nobody watching over us, no one to be accountable to. They're quite angry in their books. Um, whatever their background was, Hitchens had a kind of a religious upbringing, whatever. And at a young age, young, young ages, they thought religion was rubbish and it's kind of developed from there. For, for Hitchens, God is a total, totalitarian, giving us rules that we can't live by, that, as he says, enforced by fear based on a sin that was committed ages ago. Now, that's a little bit of a background. It's very brief, very, you know, there's much more to it. Um, but today, what I wanted to do, I just wanted to deal with two arguments that commonly come up when they attack biblical Christianity. They attack, like I said, all religions, but obviously we're going to talk about Christianity. I could have gone to any one of their arguments, plenty of them. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to go. That's a whole another level, and I'm not. I'm just a dump truck driver. I wouldn't know. Anyway, so I decided to um, just do two very simple arguments that they use. They come up a lot. They come up a lot in their books. And you've no doubt if you've ever spoken to an atheist, they've said these things to you. If you're taking notes, the first um, uh, title I've stolen it from Hitchens, and it is Religion Kills. Now, this is a constant complaint by the, the new atheists that religion is the cause of war and so much violence in the world. In Hitchens' book, he describes many instances throughout history and ones that he personally witnessed because he was a journalist, uh, where he, in the name of religion people were brutally massacred and so many atrocities occurred as a result. Um, I chose this one because uh, the topic I kind of know a little bit about. He was in the former Yugoslavia in 1991 or in the early 90s during the, what's known as the Balkan War. On one side, there was the Catholic Croatians, and I've told people before, to be Catholic is to be Croatian, to be Croatian is to be Catholic. That's how we are, or they are. And the Serbs are Orthodox, and then when the war went down into Bosnia, you have the Muslims as well. And both Christian sides believed and said, God is fighting on our side. While they went, while they killed each other, um, he witnessed Hitchens witnessed Serb Orthodox priests blessing soldiers before they went into battle, and some of these guys committed um, war crimes. I'm not picking on the Serbs, but they did. Um, so did we. 
Um, and some bad stuff happened in that war. People who claimed to be Christian. Um, he also was, uh, if, to go back further, he mentions this as well, in World War II, um, unfortunately, the Croatian side were implicit in some horrible um, war crimes as well. And the Catholic Church and Catholic priests were implicit in a lot of war crimes and committed some horrible, horrible crimes during World War II. Forced conversions of Serbs, of Orthodox and Muslims, Roma, Jews, whatever, and or killed them. Now, and he was also in Northern Ireland there and obviously religious issues there. In Lebanon, he was there as well in 1975. He witnessed um, some pretty bad stuff there. So, so in his mind, because these were all religious-based kind of, or people who claimed to be Christian, motivated and caused these wars to happen. And, and it was, they were motivated to do what they did because they were Christian. At first, because these things did happen, right? He's not making it up. It happened. At first, his arguments hold some merit. You think, well, he's right. In the name of God, people did some bad stuff. Um, it wasn't just a war in terms of in a battle and people get killed. There were rapes, murders, tortures, kidnappings, bad stuff. Not to mention then prior to that, the Crusades, the Inquisitions, all of this stuff in the name of God, horrible things have happened in history. Now, if you don't know your history, then you would think, well, Hitchens has got a point. It does have a point to a point. But if you don't know your history, then you'll think, well, he's right. But what he conveniently ignores, and now this is the thing, the title of this was Dealing with the Atheist. So this is, you have to be, they throw arguments out, they just throw them out, hoping they stick, really. They're serious, they believe what they believe, but they ignore a lot of things. They ignore truths that are inconvenient for them. So, what they have ignored is that if you know the history of the 20th century, that some of the most horrible crimes have been committed actually by anti-religious groups, by atheists such as Stalin, Pol Pot, Mao and people like that. And Stalin came to power, he destroyed the Orthodox churches, he blew them up, rounded up the priests, shot them, sent them to the gulags, whatever he did, he killed. And, and he was responsible for the deaths of tens of millions of his own people by working and starving them to death. He wasn't a Christian. He was an atheist. In the example of the war in the former Yugoslavia, what Hitchens has conveniently ignored is that war started because Croatia wanted their independence from what? A socialist, communist, evil regime who were terrorizing them for 50 years. Atheists. Non, not believers. 
These people all together in the 20th century, Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, all these other guys, Hitler, caused the deaths of millions and millions of people. Millions and millions of people. But that's not, an, that's not good enough for them. For Dawkins and Hitchens, they deny that atheism caused these men to do what they did. Yes, they were atheists, they admit that, but their atheist, atheism didn't cause them to do what they did because atheism is not a religion. See how they get around it. They try anyway. But the atheistic worldview drove Stalin and those others to do what they did because as naturalists who believe that this world is all there is, there's no God, there's no one watching them and there's no accountability, no one to judge their actions, given ultimate power, Stalin and the others took it to their logical conclusion. I don't know if you know, um, there's a documentary on Netflix, you can watch it, in 1977 in New York during a day like today, a week like today, the power went out in New York, in a big area of New York. It was hot. Power completely went out. And according to Dawkins and Hitchens, atheists, non-believers, can do good things. No religion, if there's no religion, they'll still do good. That's what they believe. But what happened in New York? After a couple of days of that, they started rioting and looting. Why? We know why. Our theology says total depravity. That's what you'll do. You'll do the, whatever your heart wants to do. They started rioting and looting because the police were stretched. There was no one there to be accountable to. There was no one. They couldn't control them and they just did what they wanted to do. Atheists, because they don't believe in the supernatural, they make God out to be... Uh, they make him up in their own minds what he should be like and they, they make him to think like we think, that he should be like what, he should do what we think he should do, in other words. And then when he doesn't, we blame him. Well, they blame him. He should be like this, but he's not like this. He should be doing this, he's not doing that like this. So what kind of a God are you worshipping? That's what they do. Because God, there's no supernatural. God is a made-up thing by religious people. But, of course, our thinking is fallen... God is supernatural. So, in, a, in an argument, when you somebody says that to you, religion causes all war, it's very easy to turn that back around on them and about atheism. Although they, like I said, don't believe it's a religion, but it's very easy to to deal with them in that way because the truth is the truth. All right, if there's no religion, if there's no God, how you, you still can't explain Stalin and all those guys? Then they still did it. it still happened. But biblically speaking, how do we deal with it? Because as Christians, we must deal with it biblically. Now, clever and logical arguments back and forth will get you nowhere, really, if you don't get to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. It's not religion that causes the wars, it's the fallen heart of man that causes the wars. The militia in the Balkans and wherever else in the world that murdered men and women of other religions in the name of religion or in the name of God did so because of their evil and wickedness of their hearts. We know the verse, Jeremiah 17:9, The heart is deceitful above all things and des- desperately wicked who can know it. 
these men, when unrestrained and disobedient to God, followed the evil desires of their hearts, which led them to commit the atrocities that they did. Although they may have done these things in the name of God, they didn't obey Christ, who said, love your enemies, love your neighbor as yourself. They hated their neighbor because they hate God. There are plenty of people who do things in the name of God, and horrible things in the name of God. But they're disobedient to Christ. This doesn't mean that God is the source of these things just because they name him as someone they worship. There's the verse, we all know it, Matthew 7, 21 to 23, and this is the one thing that, that new atheists ignore as well. This is the most, one of the most fearful verses in all of Scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The new atheists have missed the point. What they have done is they've mistaken Christendom for Christianity. There is much of Christendom that we wouldn't agree with. Um, But that's not a reflection of who God is, the God of the Bible is. True biblical Christianity obeys the teachings of Christ. The one who himself was a victim of violence, being put on a cross... And this is the thing, they actually, I didn't touch on it, I'm not touching on it here, but they do in their books, but Dawkins does anyway, there you go, another religious thing, what the Jews did to Jesus. Look, another religious thing, they killed a man, they killed Jesus who we worship and then they hate us because we worship him. Like, And what did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, right? So you, you see how convoluted it is that's what they they contradict themselves because their foundation is very very weak and it's very easy biblically to to argue against them but they don't believe the bible so they don't care like if you say you're a theologian you're studying theology Dawkins just goes why that's a waste of time that's how they look at it so that that's that that first issue that comes up very often. Religion starts wars. Maybe in the name of religion it does, but we're talking about biblical Christianity here and it's completely opposite to that. The second issue, and this is the, um, I've stolen this title from Dawkins. No one takes their morality from the Bible. This is another big one of theirs. So this issue... um, they have a problem, and where do they go to find? Because we say we, uh, they talk about morality. We say it comes from Scripture, comes from God. They find things in the Bible, and then they say, "How can you get your morality from the Bible? Where do they go?" Old Testament straight away. Which book do you reckon they go to? There's a good one, Deuteronomy is their favourite one. Both Hitchens and Dawkins straight to Deuteronomy. Why? There's weird stuff in there. There is. 
There's stuff in that happens in the Old Testament that even we scratch our heads at. So if you want to turn to Deuteronomy 7, I'll just read just one. There's plenty of places it could have went, but... So Dawkins' issue is that we don't get our morals from the Bible. And he describes God of the Old Testament because God is... There's one God in the Old Testament. There's a different God in the New Testament, according to them. He describes him as a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. And so he reads things like Deuteronomy 7, 1 to 5. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their son, nor take their daughters for your son, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them, and you shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. For Dawkins and the, and the new atheists, this is just plain, straight-up ethnic cleansing, entering someone else's land and just brutally massacring them. What, what's, interesting, what's interesting about these two guys and the others is that they actually don't believe anything in the Bible is true anyway they will still use it as evidence that God is immoral and our morality doesn't come from the Bible, but they don't believe a word of it. So for instance, he says, Dawkins says, And the Bible story of Joshua's destruction of Jericho and the invasion of the promised land in general is morally indistinguishable from Hitler's invasion of Poland or Saddam Hussein's massacres of the Kurds and the Marsh Arabs. The Bible may be an arresting and poetic work of fiction, but it is not the sort of book you give to your children to form their morals. Doesn't believe a word of it, but smashes it anyway and thinks we're dumb because we read it. But what's going on here? What's going on in Deuteronomy here and in Joshua? In Joshua 6.21, when they entered the land, the promised land, tells us that they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox, sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Now, surely this can't be a good look for God. Maybe Dawkins is right. How can God do such a thing, a God of love or whatever? But, once again, what is conveniently ignored is context. We know very well Context is everything. You can make Bible verses say whatever you want without, without a context. So what, what's going on? If you know anything about the Canaanites, they were a morally wicked people who practiced some of the worst sins, such as bestiality, incest. And in Deuteronomy 12.31, you will see that they, even, and I'm quoting now, they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. They sacrificed their own children. That was part of their religious ceremony. That's who these people were. 
That's the kind of things that they were doing. So because of that, the invasion and the subsequent slaughter of the Canaanites was morally justifiable because of their great wickedness. One thing must be remembered. God was very patient with them. He let them go for a long time like that. And not only that, the Canaanites were aware of God and we see it in Joshua chapter 2 with the spies uh, there and with Rahab. She tells them this. This is Joshua 2, 10 to 11. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in any, anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. They were very well aware of who Yahweh was and what he was capable of. And we see that God showed mercy to Rahab because she repented. This is who God is. This is Ezekiel 18.31-32. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. If they repented, they wouldn't have been destroyed. They knew who he was. They saw what happened with Israel. They knew their history, didn't care. They were a wicked, wicked generation, or a wicked nation, sorry. They must be destroyed. That's what happened. Why? Because Israel is about to enter a pagan land, and their destruction had to be total so that the Israelites weren't tempted to do what they were doing, to go off and end up doing what they were doing. The other thing, and this is a hard thing for people to believe, especially the atheists, but it must be said because it's true. God is sovereign. He's creator. He's a giver of life and he's a taker of life. He can do what he wants. Because he is just and a holy God. Isaiah 55, 8-9 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That won't sit well with the new atheists. Just to say, oh, well, God can do whatever he wants. It sounds a bit, you know, arrogant or whatever. But he can. Because he's God. But you know what the thing is? At the end of the day, they, the new atheists and the atheists, they hate God. There's a saying, now it comes up, it pops up every, everywhere, in, but I actually can't find who the original quote's from. But it sums the new atheists up perfectly. And the saying goes like this, There is no God and I hate him. That is exactly uh, the description of the atheists. They hate him. They may not say, I hate God, because they say they don't believe in him. And let me tell you something. They're not lying when they say they don't believe in him. They're deluded. 
Where am I going to go now? Romans chapter 1. We all know it. We know it by, off by heart. But I'm going to read it anyway. Romans 1, 18 to 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who what? Suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, so on and so on. See? Deluded. They know he's there. They say they don't, but they know. Now, not all of us are scientists some of not all of us could match it with Dawkins in a scientific debate. But Dawkins is not a theologian. And if you know your Bibles well, you can defend the truth of Scripture and of God against even the smartest of people. That's what we read earlier. Be ready. Know, know what it is that you believe. Whether they believe in the Bible or not makes no difference. The new atheists dismiss scripture, but they've never refuted it successfully. And the onus is on them. Because if you read their works, you listen to their, what they say, there's no refutation. It's just childish attacks. It's ad hominem attacks, a personal, like they make fun of it. There's no actual refutation. They say this is not a, an historical event. When it is a historical event, let alone spiritual things, let alone the miracles, I can understand them having problems with that, but they say this is not a historical. Even the most pagan Bible theologian in the university knows it's historical at least. But people will believe it if they don't do their research and that's, that's the times that we're living in now for sure. It's good to know what they believe as convoluted and contradictory as it is, it is good to use their arguments against them, but at the end of the day, it's salvation what they need. And only the gospel can provide that, not a victory in a debate. Now, I'm aware there are differences, um, different ways of doing apologetics, and I know I hardly touched on it, really, on the methods and stuff like that. It's only a short time. But I just wanted to give a couple of examples of how shifty these guys can be with their words and um, how they quote scripture, how they blame Christians for wars and this and that. And just to so, um, so that you know how to deal with it biblically and even with their own arguments against them. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this must be remembered. We may not be all great apologists and whatever. We may not be great on the streets preaching to people, how, whatever it is. 
the power of the power is in God's word. Why do they pick on it if it's not true? Why do they hate it so much if it's not historical, if it's just a cobbled together, whatever he said? Why do they hate it so much? Romans 1, they suppress the truth. They have a conscience, it tells them, it's built into them, built into us. They may obviously distort that conscience, but why does an atheist care about morals? That's the funny thing. They go on and on about morals. Why do they care? Why do they care who gets murdered and raped? There's no God. Survival of the fittest. They go on and on about morals. They got no. They have to borrow from Christianity to argue against Christianity. They shouldn't care who lives or dies. If there's no God, these things are still happening. So how do they explain it then? They blame religion. They blame God who they don't believe in. When I was on this trip just now, I was talking to one of the guys and I was talking about this subject and it was interesting. He started telling me his testimony because I was talking about, you know, you can argue against atheists and use all these arguments, but the power's in the scriptures. His testimony was that he was an atheist and he, knew, he was told from a young age the Bible is just rubbish. It's just full of lies and contradictions. And he was on a spiritual journey trying to find meaning to life or whatever. He decided he's going to read the Bible anyway to see where these contradictions and whatever are because he kept being told that it's, you know. He couldn't. He became a Christian and realized he was lied to because people just throw things out there and say the Bible is like this. When he was reading it, he realized it wasn't. And he was really... It was encouraging to hear. I mean, we know that. We've heard those stories many, many times. The power is in the Scripture. Now, you're going to hear the, your most favorite words right now. In closing, there's a sad reality to all of this. In 2010, Christopher Hitchens was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. And while he was dying, he inevitably was asked what he thought of the afterlife. Will he make a deathbed confession, profession, whatever? He didn't, and he made a very staunch, he was very staunch right to the end. His son was asked after he died in 2011 um, if there had been any discussion on religion while he was in hospital. And he said, and I quote, in fact... We barely spoke about religion at all except for the joint expressions of frustration at the God-botherers who made the rounds in the ICU and other units where dying people could be preyed upon by vulturous Christians. Now, many unbelievers die every day. But this, he was a well-known person and we have his words. He was very, very aggressively atheist, hated God to the very end. Psalm 14.1, 
the fool says in his heart there is no God. So you remember, that's the reality. That man's dead now. His brother is a Christian. He died staunchly atheist. So remember when engaging with these people out on the streets or wherever, at work or whatever, it's not about winning arguments. It's about their soul. Back in the day, I remember Tom Morani always used to say to me, imagine them in hell when you're talking to them because that's where they're going. It's not about winning arguments. It's giving them the gospel so that they can break free from the prison that they're in, which is sin. It's sending them to hell. Dawkins, Hitchens, if Dawkins dies the way and remains the way he is, but Hitchens for sure, his own words haunting him forever. So just remember, remember those things when you are dealing with these people. We can have our arguments, but the power is in God's will. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word. It is There is power in it for salvation, and we thank you for it. Help us, Lord, to remember these things. Not to, When we talk to the unbelievers out on the streets, to be gentle with them, knowing that they are lost like we were lost once before. Help us to give them the truth because only your word can save. We pray, Lord, for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.